It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme with John Paul taking your calls. Anything you want to share with us, 0818-103-103. And we've been having quite a mild November uh, this year, but it is going to take a sharp turn as we head into the weekend. Even though, uh, looking at what Mid-Aaron are saying, it seems to be more overnight. They're saying temperatures are expected to, could dip as low as minus three degrees on Friday and uh, Saturday night. There is cold northerly air sweeping in. Now, Leinster and the Midlands are expected to get the worst of it, but Met Aaron are saying that all parts of the country are at risk of uh, temperatures dipping just below the uh, zero uh, mark. Now, of course, because I suppose we're heading into December and Christmas time and all of that. Uh, people's attention at this time of the year has a tendency to turn to snow. So whenever we hear any type of a cold spell, questions straight away pour into Met Aaron. Uh, any chance that there could be snow? They say they're cautious on the prospect of snow, saying that while it will be will be cold, uh, they don't at this stage see any signal or any sign for any snowfall um, the, as the temperatures are dipping back, back, and back. And the main reason for that is it's generally going to be dry overnight but there will be chilly nights on Friday and uh, Saturday. And so the early morning temperatures will be low as well. But then they, they will get up during the day, Friday and Saturday. Uh, in the afternoon, they'll be in around uh, 10 degrees Celsius. So it isn't a bitterly cold snap. It's more cold nights are on the way. You can text our WhatsApp as to 86 And I have had a couple of texts and WhatsApps and I think I had an email in at the back end of last week as well with one uh, particular listener worried about her father who's over the age of 70 and her father is starting to panic because he's heard he's going to have to do refresher courses in order to renew his driving licence and the listener was making the point her father is probably one of the safest drivers uh, she knows but he would just she'd just be fearful that you know you could get a bit panicky if you've got to keep doing refresher courses and if there's a test involved and she'd be fearful that he would fail the test because she said his car really gives him his independence and others were worried about this and where was this proposal coming from? So I did a bit of digging and searching to find out where it was coming from. And it seems that it is coming from the uh, EU. And it is a proposal that motorists aged 70 and over, they'd have to undergo regular medical tests. But they'd also, what's been proposed is these refresher courses and they'd have to do that before they would be able to renew their uh, driving licence. Now, not everybody is happy with this proposal. And I read with great 
interest one of our leading experts in geriatric medicine in this country. It's a gentleman by the name of Professor Des O'Neill and he's actually chairperson of the Irish Society of Physicians in Geriatric Medicine. So he's a man who really knows what he's talking about. And he's saying that what's been proposed by the European Union could have very negative effects for many older people and he says including vulnerable road users. Now he expressed concern that older motorists could be driven off the road particularly said if we had inappropriate screening measures. He's claiming there was a widespread body of international research which demonstrated that older drivers are actually the safest group of motorists on our roads and that's not just here in Ireland. That is around the world because that's international uh, research and I think a lot of uh, people listening who will, either an older driver themselves or people who know an older driver will say yes, they are very, very careful on the road and they certainly are not involved in a lot of uh, accidents. So Professor O'Neill is saying the screening of older drivers could result in motorists becoming overconfident resulting in more accidents and he said that could lead to increased deaths in more vulnerable road users and it could actually backfire on what the original proposal was. He says, now it is important to recognise that safety was not the only issue to be considered as there are major benefits for increased mobility for older people so that they do not experience what he calls traffic poverty. And he's making the point if you take a car away from uh, some older people, particularly older people who hugely rely on it, you know if they live um, and maybe out in a rural area they're not living in an area where there's a lot of public transport they rely on their car to get out and about if suddenly that car is taken away from them they can end up with all sorts of other additional problems that they wouldn't have had before they lost uh, their car so he's claiming the blanket screening of older motorists based solely on age he said that is also ineffective in terms of costs now the proposal that's coming from the European uh, Commission the motorists over 70 would be required to undergo regular medical tests and even be forced to do refresher courses. And what's the proposal on the table at the moment is it would happen every five years. It's part of a review of current EU laws on driving licence. So it isn't, this is a, a complete review of all EU driving licence. So there's obviously different proposals in there for younger drivers as well. But I think this one that is going to affect those over the age of 70 seem to be the one that is getting the most uh, attention. Other changes, for example, I know that's been considered by the EU are things like mandatory training for professional van drivers, as well as allowing children as young as 16 to be able to drive uh, cars but only cars that would be fitted with speed limiting devices. I don't know how people would feel about 16 and 17 year olds out on the road. Would you feel more confident though if they did have a speed limiting device so you know if your son or daughter is going out on the road they wouldn't be able to go over a certain speed. So that is another one of the proposals. But Professor Des O'Neill he, he actually addressed a conference last week on this whole topic of improving road safety for older people and then he brought up about these EU, EU proposals and he said there's a lot of misguided thinking in relation to older motorists. He suggested the introduction of restricted licences which would limit certain motorists to daytime driving or fixed speeds or distances. He says that's something that could be uh, looked at. He also said family doctors should be trained in what he calls traffic medicine in in order to support older drivers with medical conditions because, of course, there are then 
other older drivers who as they get on in years and maybe have a medical condition they do need to be taken off uh, the road and that can be a very hard decision for a family and a very hard conversation for a doctor to have to have with a patient particularly if they've been their patient uh, for many many years so uh, Des uh, O'Neill says it still remains an area that's not adequately provided uh, to doctors because with the right advice he says you can continue driving safely for somewhat longer than people might have thought but it's the GPs need to be correctly trained in what can and, and what an older person should or shouldn't be allowed to do when out on uh, the roads. But uh, definitely all the evidence is there uh, that some of the safest drivers in the world are older drivers. So as I say, at the moment, it is only a proposal. I think when people started hearing about this last week, and this is when I started to get commentary in from people, people thought it was in place and people thought it was something that was going to be brought in straight away. It's not. It's just a proposal. And we know with a lot of things with the EU. It, it does take time. There will be a lot of debate and there'll be debate in different countries before the MEPs get to vote uh, on it and it is part of a lot of other changes that are currently being uh, considered. And I wonder if one of the ones, because we touched on it yesterday, would they consider looking at our taxi licence tests that we spoke about when we spoke about people failing it yesterday because some of the questions that are being asked. 0818 103 103. Thank you to somebody who sent me in a text they got yesterday saying, I think this is a new scam. Uh, I, it is. I haven't received this one now. As soon as I've said it, I'll probably get it in, in the next day or two. But this text read, Hello, my name is Marty and I am a recruitment promoter at Jobs. I am recommending you a part-time job with a daily salary of 20 to 300 euro. You only need to work 30 to 60 minutes a day for 500 for five days. You only need to work. God, the, the wording, the grammar is okay. I think what they're trying to, what they're trying, Marty is trying to tell us here is, if you work between thirty and sixty minutes, you can earn five hundred euro a day, and you can do that for five days. At the end of the week, two thousand five hundred euro for about five hours work. Should we all do that? You can earn fifteen hundred for working five days, and you can get up to three thousand euro if you work for thirty days. If you're interested, please answer yes. Are interested? Yes, that's a scam. <laughs> yeah, a new one. I, and I don't know what would happen if you answered, if you answered yes or answered interested, because isn't yes and interested the same thing in for that particular question? I'm assuming then they would make contact with you and ultimately they'd they'd suck you in and they'd eventually need to have your bank account details because of course they'd need to pay you all this money that you're going to get for this few hours of work every single day. So yes, it's got scam written all over it. Now just on scams, somebody said new scam for you to watch out. This is one I've seen actually a few times. It's from gov.ie claiming you're eligible for a discounted electricity bill under the energy support scheme and it's getting you to click on a link. I'm fearful about that one uh, because people know that the government are giving energy credits from the 1st of December I think the first 150 is going into people's bank accounts similar to the 200 euro ones off your electricity accounts that uh, we got last year they're, they're starting in the 1st of December but you don't have to apply for them but I would just be afraid that somebody might see them and think oh maybe it's different you need to apply this year you don't so yes absolutely that's a scam so just uh, ignore it please and somebody said that proposal regarding older drivers from the EU is simply ageism especially for rural dwellers we should be more 
like the Japanese people in Japan. They look after their older people with such great respect. We could learn a lot from the Japanese. Uh, thank you for that. And just to say, there has been a serious collision. Please God, everybody's OK. On the R599, that's between Dunmanway and Clonakilty in West Cork this morning. It's been reported that the accident happened near Liz, near Lisbalet. It was around half past eight, so about two hours ago now. Emergency services are at the scene. We know units of the fire service from Dunmanway and Clonakilty have responded and the Gardaí are obviously also there. Road is partially closed, so there are local diversions in uh, place. So please God, uh, everyone will get out of that accident uh, OK. But um, the best thing is to try to avoid that area if you can. Premier League live back on c103.ie with uh, Trevor Welsh. It's going to happen this uh, Saturday from midday, powered by Talk Sport. Now we'll have live coverage for you of Manchester City versus Liverpool. That's at 12.30. Newcastle are taking on Chelsea at three. And then Brentford uh, versus Arsenal. That's at half past five on Saturday. That's the Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen on Saturdays on the C103 app or you can go to c103.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Cork today on C103. Now, many of us are trying to do our best when it comes to protecting the environment, and people go to great lengths to make sure that they're recycling as many items as possible. So, it may come as a shock to hear that 93% of Ireland's used clothes uh, and other textiles are dumped are exported to an unknown fate. With more details, I'm joined by Celine Shearer, who is with the organisation VOICE, and that stands for Voice of Concern for the Irish Environment. Good morning to you, Celine. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning, everyone. You're very welcome to the programme. OK, can you talk us through what is happening to clothes and used textiles, particularly the ones we donate to charity and we donate them in the belief that they're going to be recycled every year? Yes. Um, so I believe like the first thing is that we all have a sense that there's a lot of clothes put on the market at the moment. You know, there's more uh, clothes than ever before. And the problem is that it's coupled with a decrease in quality and in lifespan. So there's a lot more of textile waste than there used to be. Um, and the problem, the main thing I think that we kind of discovered while doing all the research is that there's no proper definition of what is textile waste at the moment. So if you don't define a stream, then it's really hard to, you know, regulate it and have actual rules that would that would make it more sustainable. And it's opening a door for a lot of unsustainable practices. So if we do go to look into the numbers, um, there is 65% in Ireland of all discarded clothes, so what is actually called post-consumer textiles, uh, that are treated as general waste. So that means they end up in our black bins and they're just being incinerated. Um, so this is waste, but there's no proper in handling of them. And then the 35% who are collected, uh, either through donations to charities or through textile banks, which are mostly uh, privately owned, so it's not it's not the reuse sector and the charities. Um, those ones are in majority uh, exported abroad. So what we do need to do is have more clarity and transparency over what happens to all of this, because as you say, people are going through you know an effort to kind of like wash their clothes, pre-sort it, and try to make the best out of it. Um, but the best solution so far is to donate directly to the charity shops because they are doing the work of reusing. But 
the textile banks that are privately owned, they're not doing that. They're not, they're not having those social benefits. And what I wasn't aware of is that some of this can become waste in third world countries who are already battling their own problems. Yes, exactly. So um, once they are exported out of Ireland, the clothes, um, that's where we're losing the transparency. So we don't really know what happened. Uh, there has been some um, document, like documentation that are trying to be collected. And so what we know is that usually it's exported to wholesalers in Europe that will only take the highest quality of clothes, you know, to put on the global secondhand market. And then after that, the rest is exported in the global south. And so it's, it's put under the label of reusable or recyclable. But um, data from those countries, from Ghana, Kenya, uh, Chile in South Africa, uh, South America, sorry, um, they do tell us that they're receiving an increasing amount of waste. Uh, and so they're, they're just not reusable. And those countries do not have the capacity to treat that kind of waste. So it will just end up being landfilled and, and, and you know, become solid waste. Oh, it's crazy. It, it's crazy. So the, the, we all, there, therefore, Celine, need to be careful about where we donate our, our, our used items. That's your main message today, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So I guess the, 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 the regulation will be our job to be pushing for better regulations. But on an individual level, um, I guess it's like before even putting in the bin something or, or thinking of discarding it, uh, think about repairing, reusing. Uh, you know, um, our, our website, on our website, we do have a page for our Threads of Transparency campaign. And we've uh, made a map, actually, of all the repair shops that you can find in the country. Um, so first thing is that, you know, think about repairing. Because it's not so long ago that everyone knew how to repair a hole or get rid of a, a nasty stain. Um, so just think about repairing, reusing yourself as much as possible in the home. And if you do want to donate, our best bet is to go directly to the charity shops. We also have a map uh, showing all the charity shops around you. And um, because you know that there will be people, people who's, uh, like, who are experts in, in sorting the clothes, who will directly do it in the shop. Um, so trust your charity shops, but don't necessarily trust the privately owned textile banks. Yeah, the clothes banks. And even though they can have a sticker on it saying that, it, you know, it's for charity. And many of those, they're commercial collections. They're, they're nothing to do with charity at all. Yeah, so again, that's a bit um, of a differentiation to make. So that's, again, what we want uh, for the transparency to be about and have more information and, and you know, a clear, uh, drawing a clear line between what is reuse sector and what is waste management. So there are a, a few um, charity-owned textile banks. Uh, to my knowledge, they are from Liberty Recyclers and Enable Ireland. But those would have clearly displayed on what charity, their, their charity regist- registration number and what happens to the clothes. Yeah. But, uh, and the, and, the and I know, I know um, the St. Vincent de Paul with all of their Vincent shops, they have their yeah. own clothes banks. They collect them themselves and they distribute them. They sort them and distribute them to their own shops. So I know if you're, if you're giving them entry in the Vincent de Paul uh, banks or you can go directly in to the St. Vincent de Paul uh, charity shops. But we've got so many great charity shops around. Just hand them into the charity shops they will be delighted uh, to get them uh, from you. But do we also need, you know, 
some kind of system whereby people can separate what are, you know, we'll all hand in things to the charity shop knowing, well, that certainly is good for resale, but maybe another okay. item might might not be as good, but could be used, you know, for rags, for the uh, for the motor trade, for example. W- would it be better if we could have some way of sorting those out at a textile bank? Yes, well, um, what there, there are multiple things uh, here, but the the charity shops are at the moment what we will call the experts in sourcing the clothes. So they would have people who actually know how what items would so sell or not. Um, but we do believe that um, having a double entry kind of desktop uh, bank would be great to kind of like ask for reusable items and non-reusable items. So have kind of a pre-sorting thing. Um, and then... Uh, obviously, we do have a roadmap for what would be needed in the country. And one of the big thing would be to have a national uh, facility for sorting all the clothes, you know, and having proper labeling and standards. Yeah it, yeah, it it would be great. I mean, it's just it's shocking to think that we're passing on so much of this this waste uh, to third world countries, who, you know, who already have yeah. their own uh, problems. And ultimately, Celine, we all need to look at what we're buying and we very much need to move away from this fast fashion and towards sustainable clothing. I mean, that's the way forward, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that the main thing that that could help uh, overall is to reduce our consumption and have, you know, buy better because better quality will last longer. Uh, You can repair it more easily. And once you do need to discard them, if they're, you know, bio-based fibers, they're much easier to either recycle or even in the worst case scenario, uh, just, um, you know, decompose it or, you know, have compostable things. Because I think the problem is that we have a lot of, synthetic fibres who are really hard to recycle. So at the moment, there's no capacity to recycle those kind of clothes. Mm. And we all have too many clothes. That's uh, that's it in a <laughs> nutshell. Celine, listen, a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Thank you so and, much, uh, Thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Celine uh, Schieffer, who is with the group Voice of Concern for the Irish Environment. They're simply known as uh, Voice. And, you know, I think Celine, you know, making a lot of sense and it got, it got me thinking when I was looking, I, I couldn't get over the amount that gets dumped every year and doesn't get... Uh, recycled, it can end up either being uh, incinerated or else goes to landfill. I mean, if you think back on previous generations, people, you know, Celine's making the point about buying cheap clothes, maybe invest in a good, you know, spend more in an item that will last longer. If you think back to our mothers and grandmothers, they would have invested in a good coat, for example, that would have lasted them uh, for years. But I think today, because of fast fashion and because things are so cheap, we're buying low quality items and then obviously the knock-on effect is they don't last as uh, long. But I, I do think she's right when she, we all simply have too much clothes. Do We need to stop and look at the amount of items we have, but we need to be very, very careful when you are recycling how you're actually doing your recycling of clothing and textiles. Abbeville House Bed and Breakfast in Fromoy was described as a five-star fall to Ireland registered 19th century townhouse located in the heart of Fromoy. It's right opposite the town park. Now the building is now the location of protests by local people who are against the proposal to turn the old guest house into a home for international protection applicants. Fianna Fáil local councillor Deirdre O'Brien joins me with more on this story. Good morning to you Deirdre. 
Good morning, Patricia. And I suppose just to try to get the background on this, when were you and others, uh, local elected representatives, when were you contacted about the proposal to use Abbeville as a home for international protection applicants? Well, this is the thing, Patricia, we weren't contacted. It's kind of word of mouth and it's it's coming through builders. And then it's been maybe phone calls from different public representatives to other public representatives in government and that may be getting bits of information. But this is the thing. Nothing comes formally to us. Um, you know, we don't get notified. I suppose with the Ukraines, it came through Cork County Council, so we would have been more in the know. But this, we're not being told. And I suppose this is the, you know, this is the, I think, the worry in the communities. Like, nobody is being racist here. Nobody is saying no to um, migration. It is more like realism, really. And I suppose where the big concern started with people were saying, oh, there's building works going on in Abbeville. It's a protected structure. It's an iconic building in the in the town and the location. And the word was going out that these um, um, international protection um, immigrants were coming in. And so I suppose that was where it started. We got onto Cork County Council. They had done and um, carried out inspection works there. They're happy with everything is above board, no change, because it is a protected structure. And they've gone into inside the building and the conservation officers reported back and said, no, um, as I said, no changes were made to the building. So that is kind of something, look, I suppose that's a lot of fears there. But I think the thing with people is... You know, I suppose, look, we're, like, we can see it ourselves at the moment, this, the influx that's coming in. And I suppose there is concerns locally for the community, the unknown, I suppose the enjoyment they enjoyed um, is curbed because we have, I suppose, what's coming in is a lot of undocumented entering our country, no assessment. And, and it is it is predominantly yeah. men, let's be honest. It is predominantly that is men that, is that uh, flee and these countries and, and come to Ireland. Indeed. And that's where I think the issue is. It's the secondary displacement where we seem to have a lot coming in now that are coming from other countries that they've left their own country and maybe have had lived a time in the country, but now coming here. So now we really need to look. The government needs like the government have been supporting these all along. And it's quite difficult for us councillors. I suppose, you know, our powers are limited, but I think we need to act on the people. And I suppose that's where I would be very much focused on is people on the ground and representing the person on the ground and their concerns. And I suppose this is where it's coming in that, you know, why are they coming to our country? Look, I suppose, obviously, you know, the Irish supports are probably way ahead of other countries. It's something we'll have to look at because, you know, it's not sustainable to keep going the way we are. We've been great to, you know, we've always been very good, always been to the forefront here. But, you know, with Ukraine's, we've been very, you know, we've had... Well, yeah, well yes, I mean, if you, look, if you look yeah. at the town of Formoy, Formoy has been a very welcoming ta- town to uh, both to the Ukrainian refugees and to asylum seekers and indeed uh, to migrant workers. You have the wonderful sanctuary runners and it's, you know, it's been a great town yeah. and a great... And, and I remember at the time yeah. when it was the Ukrainian refugees were moving into um, St. Joseph's, wasn't it? The and, they, and there was a lot of people were worried about that and there was some um, yeah. protests well, uh, about it and that all turned out to be unfounded. Those people have settled yeah, in and yeah. integrated really well. well. Yeah. It's international protection, sorry Patricia that is, and I suppose that is where the concern is like I suppose there was, there's um, over 30 Ukrainians in Ukrainians in the um, what was formerly the Grand Hotel yeah. and then you'd over 150 going to St. Joseph of international asylum seekers, right? Yeah. So that's what came in there. But look, they've integrated and they've contributed locally in that. What I think it's probably um, I suppose for the community feel maybe that, you know, our community, our local identities leaving us, you know, probably. And I suppose there is the concerns for safety. 
And then there is the services, mm. like our housing. We've you, we've a housing list in Fomoy of social uh, social housing list that people have. They're crowded and they've no homes, and we haven't built because I suppose here in Mitchellstown we've the issue of the wastewater treatment plant, which is over the road, and we haven't built. Fomoy is, is constricted as well. And I suppose look, I suppose you've heard me during the summer there, um, our medical. Um, our South Dock is gone. Our, um, our, we'll say our primary healthcare centres are at capacity. They, they um, the doctors are, it's they're full. Scarce. They're, they're full. Yeah, and exactly. and we, we had, take. we had only last week, um, a lovely gentleman from Formoy contacted us, who unfortunately is is battling prostate cancer at the moment, but he got a really bad urinary tract infection uh, the weekend before last. Contacted South Dock in Formoy on a Saturday afternoon to be told, sorry, no, we can't see you. He'd wait four hours his wife had to bring him to South Dock in Mallow the doctor at South Dock in Mallow was horrified that he was left to wait that long to get the the, you know the antibiotics set that he needed but we were talking just about how stretched the South Dock service uh, is and then another family were contacting us because they can't get a a GP and then somebody in their wisdom has has decided that is is it 50 people they're talking about putting into Abbeyville? Yeah yeah exactly So you know where do they go for a medical for a dentist? Now you said it. This is this is what the worry is. The services like education, housing, you know, it, and what you call it, social inclusion, like all this is integration into the community. Where are the resources for that? Where are the services for that? You know, we're not we're not ready for it. We're not um, what let's say, resource for all of this. And this is where the big worry is as well. You know, I think the government need to step up to the mark now. They need to kind of, you know, take a look at this. I did raise it at the Fianna Fáil Ardesh with my own colleagues up there and said it is something that we're going to meet us at the doors when we go for a local election next year. And what year. reaction did you get? Um, there's a kind of a, 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 a bit limited, you see, because, you know, nobody seems to know who's in charge of this as well because I get social protection. It's, it's department. Is it integration department? Is it justice department? You know, it's not something that can be changed overnight, but I think they're going to have to start looking at it. And, and as well, we, were, were we not told, and this went back to as far back as when the, um, the the Ukrainian refugees were, you know, fleeing for their lives and fleeing, fleeing war. And we saw lots of towns and villages, your own good sense and from why welcoming these people. But then other areas were nervous about who was coming in. And this, this idea of suddenly the dead of the night people were moved in. We were told that wouldn't happen. There would be ongoing negotiations with the local community and there would be involvement with the local community. But it really doesn't look like there's been any involvement with the local community here, well, dear. I suppose there was a bit, there, there was with the Ukrainians because they came in through the local authorities. Yeah, and you but, did but the for the international protection it, applicants. Yeah. No, that, that bypass, that does not, it should really go through local authority, really. But it doesn't. It's coming straight. It's literally the department, no communication and just landing them on towns and villages. That's what's happening. And that's what, and the local authority knows nothing of it. And we know nothing ourselves, only what we're getting ripples of information coming through. But, but then it's up know, to it's, that very same community to look after these people and, and make sure that right. there's a... It's just not making any sense. Yeah, and have you, you been have on our to local the de- development companies? You know, kind of like Ballyharris, they have a new partnerships. All these kind of having to step up to the mark, and probably funding will come through social inclusion. And they will come on board, but there's still not enough services. It's too many, too fast, and especially 
we've already um, struggling services that it's only going to get exasperated. Yeah. And have you been on to the Department of Integration? Are they giving you any information as to when? I've written some, got okay. nothing for nothing. them and we're encouraging people to write them. We've said that like in fairness, the people behind this and for my are very fair. They're, you know, they're very realistic Um they they just want they just want fairness and they're getting no communication. And what is is the, the work dark. is the renovation work completed in Abbeville? Do you know? Apparently it is. We don't know what's after, what's done. Apparently it had no effect on um, the protective structure, but it is has been modifications had to be made because we're believing there's fifty seven going in. Would it hold and that number? If there's like what we're listening to is that it was only there was only twelve rooms in it. So I'll um, pack them in like sardines. Sorry, what you say? Pack them in like sardines. Is it? What do you think? See, this is the other thing as well. Yeah, exactly. And if they're going to need to come out, they're going to need to, you know, be in the area. And I suppose this was another thing as well. I suppose you know that it's 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 a public area. It's quite public there. It's quite. It's the park is nearby. People are worried about that. You have people, you know, maybe these single men hanging around the park, and they're worried for their children. The the pool is a very, you know, um, or can I say? The facility in for my leisure facility that's used by all children. A lot of people, yeah, 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 yeah. You can, yeah, people, people get concerned, and yeah, uh, and and listen, you know and listen. It isn't just in Formoy. There's, uh, there's been, you know, similar concerns and worries and protests in Killarney. We saw it in uh, Rosslare with the the nursing home, uh, and it's going on around the country. It's just, I just, I can't it understand is, why is. they're allowing, why they're continuing to allow this to happen without they promising they would have communication with local uh, communities and then they just don't seem to do it. OK, listen, dear, to keep us informed on this. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, good morning thank to you. you. That is uh, Fianna Fáil councillor in Formoy. That is Deirdre O'Brien on this proposal that Abbeville House uh, bed and breakfast, well, what, what was a bed, bed and breakfast will now become home for 57 international protection applicants. A couple of people are commenting on the day that's uh, in it, the 22nd of November. Today is the 60th anniversary of the assassination and shooting dead of the wonderful John F. Uh, Kennedy. Uh, John says, I was a nine-year-old on this day 60 years ago and John can still remember 60 years later watching it on TV and the subsequent, you know, there was a lot of people I think watched the funeral on uh, line. I do remember my mother, Lord Timmerson, saying they got a television into our house so that they could watch the actual funeral of JFK. And I think that was the reason that a lot of homes uh, got a TV. But John remembers watching it with his mother and uh, father. And Michael uh, castan says, 60 years ago today on my way home from work, I was working in London it was 6.45pm, November the 22nd, 1963. I learned that John F. Kennedy had been shot, assassinated. Every Irish man, woman and child was sobbing, their hearts out together with other nations. A dark cloud of shock and disbelief hung over the world 60 years ago today. The leader of the free world mowed down in the blink of an eye. The world shook with grief. It left that mark on people that could not be described at the time in London. Michael says, we only had black and white TVs. As far as he can remember, colour didn't come in until later on in the 60s um, he said uh, John F. Kennedy's funeral was watched by absolutely everybody and everyone was in floods of tears and, and feeling very very sorrowful about his death today we still mourn and remember President John F. Kennedy in our prayers we should never forget his words on his arrival into Ireland uh, which had happened the previous summer it was in, in the June of that year that he'd been in Ireland and uh, one he gave many many great speeches but on one day he said no country in the world in the history of the world 
has endured the hemorrhage that this island endured over a period of a few years of so many of its sons and uh, daughters. And Michael says today, we seem to forget that we also have to find foreign shelter and work to survive. May President John F. Kennedy's gentle soul rest in eternal peace. That's from Michael. And I thank you for that, Michael. And if you pick, get your hands on a copy of today's examiner, they have a two page spread inside and they're remembering, uh, they were obviously remembering the anniversary of his death today, but also remembering when John F. Kennedy came to Cork and there's pictures and everything in a really good piece. Uh, well done to the examiner on that uh, today. Uh, 0818103103. Heidi was in Erlingford uh, and said they must have the cheapest petrol in the country. And she sent on a clip of petrol and diesel uh, prices in Erlingford three hours ago. €1.66 for diesel and one sixty four for petrol. Whoa, I mean, where I'm, where I, certainly where I'm watching petrol and diesel, it's at the one seventy eight mark. And it seems to be the same for both petrol and diesel. Heidi reckons it's slower to come down in areas of West Cork where she lives but if you're anywhere around Erlingford I would suggest get in there quick and uh, fill up with your petrol 0818103103 and a lot of commentary for my interview with Celine in the last hour from that group Voice who was talking about the recycling and what's What's wrong with the recycling industry? And even though we all think by recycling our clothes that we're doing the best, a lot of it is ending up either being incinerated or it's going for landfill or worse, it's going on to third world countries and it's causing huge problems for those uh, countries. And we all need to sort of look at the amount of clothes we buy. That is one way that we can get a handle on all of this recycling. If we don't buy as much clothes and buy better products that are going to last longer. Fast fashion, there's a lot of cheap clothing out there that really was never designed to last. And, you know, if you pay a couple of euro for something, uh, you know it isn't designed to last. John says, Patricia, that was a great report on fast fashion. John says, I'm a geography teacher and I'm actually planning a few lessons around the subject. Plenty of info and food for thought in your interview uh, this morning. Yeah, and I would check out their website, Voices website. Uh, You'll get a lot more information there as well. Burr is listening to us in the city. She's a volunteer with the Irish Cancer Society. Another great charity shop. She said where everything gets sorted and it gets sorted out uh, properly. But Burr says she has heard in the past of some of these bogus charity clothes collectors. They're actually taking the Irish Cancer Society's bags that are waiting for collection. So please be very careful when you're passing on your items for recycling. Make sure it gets to exactly where you intended it to go. Pat Infomoy says when it comes to those charity clothing banks, uh, you'll see on a lot of those clothing banks the, the name of a particular charity. But when the truth is known, the charity get a very small percentage. Pat says it can be low as 5%. I think it can even be lower. Pat, I've heard of other charities who don't even get anything from the from the the charity because sometimes the charities can be made up charities that don't actually exist anyway Pat says another problem uh, that we touched on with Celine is a lot of our clothes and textiles that are given for recycling they end up going out of the country he says that's Pat's saying that's causing a problem in the likes of certain African countries and it's having a knock-on effect on their local textile trade. He said, for example, what happens is that when these commercial 
collectors of secondhand clothes. They put them into great big bales and then they ship them out to different African countries and then what can be sold is sold on street markets but the knock-on effect is then it's having on the local textile industry because people are buying the secondhand clothes rather than buying from their local textile uh, producers. So that's another problem on top of the additional problem of a lot of it is just waste. It's of no use to anyone and it's just been dumped in a lot of these third world uh, countries. And a lovely text in from Nicola to say, Patricia, really enjoyed your subject today on fast fashion and having a good clear out and that we all have too many clothes in our wardrobe. My husband, says Nicola, has been threatening to send my, in inverted commas, mountain of clothes for recycling. He's been threatening to do it for weeks. I've been busy doing other things, says Nicola. I explained that a charity shop would be a better option. Now, I've been clinging on to all of my good clothes in the hope that I might fit into them one day. But I've now decided I'm having a good sort out at the end of the week and I will be taking all of those wearable clothes that can go on and somebody else will go on to love those same items of clothes and I'm dropping them into the Aurora charity shop in Mallow. That's another terrific charity shop as well. Keep it local and stick with the local charity shops that allow you to hand in items because you know then that they'll be resold uh, there. So Nicola's having a good clean out. She said a lot of them are relatively new clothes. Anything from size 14 up to 20 and back down again. She said thanks for the info and all the statistics uh, today. Uh, glad that we could be of help. And then somebody else just on the whole idea of charity shops and uh, recycling is saying, wonder is it possible to ask people if they are dumping any video games, any bits and bobs, they might think of donating them to me. Charity shops don't usually take any electronics. Yeah, charity shops won't take anything with a plug, I think is the line that they use. This texture says, I like to collect anything with video gaming related and I hate the thoughts of them being uh, dumped. I'd suggest that you check out some of the civic immunity sites that's where people do dump those kind of items or if you go to any businesses any of the larger electrical stores they normally have you know cages uh, outside their premises where people can dump items you might get to find some of the items you're looking for there uh, it certainly is worth a try 0818103103 can I stick on scams for a moment listen to this one on a new scam somebody received this as a as a, a, a text or a WhatsApp I'm not too sure the message says today is the 1000th day of my singleness I followed the advice of a priest and I randomly sent a text message to a stranger number. If you are a good man, add me. And then the WhatsApp number is there and it's a plus plus four four. So it's an overseas number. I believe we would have a pleasant chat. (laughs) 100% a a new scam, but one that I haven't come across. So thank you for sharing that with us. And then someone else was, uh, Mary was wondering when I'm talking about scams, she said, I don't know if you've mentioned it or not, but she was listening to Liveline during the week and they highlighted a new scam, which she said sounded very genuine. It was a gentleman got a text from eFlow, God, the famous eFlow text in relation to his account. He unfortunately clicked on it. But then two days later, he got a phone call from the fraud department of Bank of Ireland. That fraud department of Bank of Ireland turned out to be the fraudster. Uh, I did hear it. And that's it's a scam that's been doing the rounds for quite some time. But be very careful of those eFlow ones. They, 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 they kind of come up every now and again. And what frustrates me, and I don't know if it's something to do with my phone, when I move around uh, the country, um, whenever I am on any of the motorways where they have tolls, lo and behold, within a few days, I'll be getting the e-flow messages, which I, which I know are scams. Uh, but just to, uh, be careful of them. 0818 103 103. And just a couple of uh, 
calls in with regard to my chat with Councillor Deirdre O'Brien who was talking about what's going on in Formoy uh, with the proposal for the old Abbeville House Bed and Breakfast and the proposal that there's going to be up to 57 international asylum seekers looking for international protection staying there and some people just have concerns and they, nothing to do with racism but they just have concerns uh, mainly about the fact of the services that just the services are a creaking point in the town. Melissa is in for my so I have no problem with people coming to this country working etc. To be honest as Melissa I've got friends from all over the world including South Africa and Pakistan many of them working in the health services. However when services are full to capacity they're full to capacity then it is simply wrong to bring additional people into uh, an area and into a town. People in Formoy are already struggling to see a doctor. It is making no sense uh, to bring a group uh, as large as 57 into the town at the moment. Tommy said nothing against people coming to Ireland if they want to live here and to work. But Ireland cannot continue to support people who are coming here and then they have to receive social welfare. It simply cannot continue. This morning we're reading about workers will be taxed more as the pot is running dry for welfare. This is totally unfair. Well, it isn't a tax... Well, this PRSI goes up. I'll be talking about that a little bit uh, later on. But I, I know the point you're making. People who are working are going to have to pay more. And there's this people seeing people arriving in this country who go straight on social welfare. How can we afford it all? And Marion said she was reading in the paper that the average yearly cost to keep uh, an international protection applicant uh, in 2021 so we, we assume this figure is even higher now is 26,336 euro can you imagine when you add that all up how much is it costing this country 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls C103 Jobs Tria Oil uh, Products they are recruiting for a business development representative to collect data and to expand the business. You can contact Patrick at Tria Oil on 87 4847643. Finberg Galvin Motors there in Bandon. They've got a vacancy for a sales advisor. Cover letter, please, with your CV to Anthony at FinbarGalvin.ie. O'Flynn's Footwear in Mallow, looking for a part-time sales assistant. You'll be required to work three days per week. Previous experience and some social media skills will be advantage. CVs and a cover letter to O'Flynn's Footwear at gmail.com. And Charleville Community Care have a vacancy for a full-time general operative at their garden centre on Love Lane. CV and a cover letter, please, to charlevillecc at gmail.com or you can post it to the manager. Charleville Community Care, Love Lane in Charleville. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. cmig.ie. Now, the Hygiene Hub is a charity that gives hygiene and personal care products to those who need them. And the group is calling on the public to spread kindness this Christmas as part of their Christmas campaign. And to find out more, I'm joined by Sorka Killian. And Sorka is part of the Cork Hub of the Hygiene Hub. Uh, good morning to Sorka. Hi, Rich, how are you doing? I'm, I'm very well and, and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, for people who've never heard about the Hygiene Hub before, can you just give us a bit of the background of how long it's been running and how it all started and how you actually operate? 
Absolutely. So Hygiene Hub is a registered charity in Ireland or a national charity. And so we tackle hygiene poverty. Now, many people may not have heard of hygiene poverty. It's a historically kind of under-recognised element of poverty. But it's essentially the inability to afford or access essential hygiene items. Now, this can be things like soap, shampoo, laundry detergent, period, period products. And so there's a range of hygiene items that a usually different groups of people use every single day. Um, and a way that we often describe it is, you know, if you think of your morning routine, that so you get up in the morning, maybe, you know, wash your face, brush your teeth, you put on clean clothes um, and then just, you know, have a think if you didn't have access to any of those things. Uh, it's a really small but kind of simple example of mm. hygiene poverty. And, um, and, 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 and sorry for interrupting you, but I, I always feel yeah. that when a family is struggling financially, and, and God knows we know many families are, are struggling financially, and they're pri- prioritising all of the other bills. And usually when it comes to the shopping, they try to cut back um, and they're trying to put food on the table. So often those products that you've just mentioned, they could be bottom of the shopping list, couldn't they? Absolutely. And we find that hygiene items are often the first thing to go because, you know, especially now with, you know, the restricted choices people are having to make, the increased spending on bills and electricity and heat in the winter months, you know, and and food, hygiene items do have to be be prioritised. And often we'll find for, you know, individuals or families particularly is that, you know, children may have their kind of elements taken care of, but it's parents that are having to make the decision to, you know, cut back on how often they're washing their clothes or, you know, the whole family's using one roll of deodorant or they're having to to kind of cut back on, you know, washing thing, washing themselves with dish soap, for example, is, is a reason one of um, our local community partners was giving us recently. Um, and so it's, it's absolutely deprioritized. And currently, Hygiene Hub is the only organization. So we're a national charity. Our uh, Cork Hub's been going since 2020. Um, but we're the only organization that's solely dedicated to hygiene poverty. Well and so for the people we support, we're the only resource that they have around this. I'm just thinking for for women, um, Sarka, particularly the period products. I mean, I'm just thinking of a young girl. How, how could you go to school without period products? Yeah, so we do. And, and period products, absolutely. It's an area that really affects people, not just, you know, kind of physical impacts, but also mental health impacts. You have, you know, feelings of stress, you know, that you don't have enough to take care of yourself. There can be a lot of stigma or shame. Um, and I will say this extends beyond just kind of period poverty, but also think you haven't been able to wash. I mean, oh, no. if you're a young child, kids can be quite cruel sometimes and they don't mean to be. But, you know, they'll say if someone smells or if the uniform isn't clean um, and we actually we do run a fantastic schools program as part of the organization where we'll run drives and we have a school team that goes in and does education um, with the kind of kids about what hygiene poverty is and the impact it can have um, but it is there's long-term effects for people who are having to experience this. Okay so what items are you hoping people will donate as part of your Christmas campaign? So this Christmas we have our spread kindness campaign. So we're aiming to provide at least kind of 5,000 toiletry gift sets across our hubs um, alongside donations of essential items. So in terms of our essential items, uh, we have a list on our website, which is hygienehub.ie. We also have um, drop-off points um, across Cork. So at the moment we have uh, six drop-off points. And on our drop-off boxes, you'll see a list of all of the items that we accept. So if people go on to the website, hygiene, 
Okay, just move around slightly with point the, and they can just move around slightly with wait, wait, just move around slightly with your phone. We were just losing you there oh, for a second. Um, yeah, go on. You, you were saying, yeah, if people go on your website, they can see the list of items. They can see the list of items. They can also see the local drop off points that will be nearest to them. And in all of our drop off points on our boxes, we have a list of items that we accept. And um, people can also donate via our fundraiser. They have the option to give a gift. So when you go onto our website, you can click on the Spread Kindness fundraiser and there's options to give a gift to an individual, to a family, to a range of people. Um, and we'll utilize those then to distribute across all of our community partners in Cork and also across wider Ireland um, to make sure that people have not just the essentials, but also something nice this Christmas. For a lot of people we work with, they kind of feedback that our gift to them is the only gift they might receive that year. And so it has such a large impact like I said not just from a physical sense but a, a mental health one as well. Yeah absolutely absolutely and how do you uh, how does the distribution part of it work for you? Yep so we are a charity that works with other charities. Okay. We believe in strongly that hygiene poverty doesn't operate in a silo. So if people are experiencing, you know, food or fuel poverty or even just, you know, kind of restricted spending choices, they're probably experiencing it too. So we have three community partners across Cork that we donate to who then distribute it to people in their network as well. And that way we try to kind of have a multiplier effect on the help that we can give to the widest amount of people. Um, But I will say the need is immense at the moment. So any support we can receive will go a very long way to supporting people in Cork that are experiencing this. Okay, and obviously if anybody, any business listening might like to organise a hygiene drive day at their work, that's that's a simple thing that people could do, isn't it? It's really simple. It's a lovely thing to do and it's very effective. So we do, have, we've run many, many hygiene drives. So we're, we're pros at it at this point. So all people need to do is again, reach out on the website. There's an email they can contact and we set you all up. So we give a list of everything that's needed. We can organize a packing day where kind of employees can come together to pack the items into bags, which will then be donated to a local community partner. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Near them. So it's a really efficient and impactful way to kind of give back to your local community. And it's a very easy thing to do. We have a, an amazing team here that organize it all. And so all people have to do is just let us know they're interested and we help you every step of the way. And it really goes very locally. So it's having a lovely impact around you. Okay, listen, it's a, it's a terrific uh, charity that I feel a, a lot of people are unaware of, but there's such a need uh, for it uh, to fight hygiene poverty. And, and unfortunately, as you say, you're busier than ever because we're seeing so much poverty, sadly, in this country. So hygienehub.ie, where you can get all of the information. And Sark, in the meantime, uh, best of luck with your collections, particularly the ones uh, here in Cork. And thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you so much for having us. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Sorica Killian, who is with part of the Cork Hub of the Hygiene Hub. Um, as I say, I had briefly heard of them, but I didn't realise that they were they were so well set up here in Cork that they actually had collection points. So if you want to go onto their website, uh, you can, and they give you the examples of, you know, deodorants, shower gel, shampoo, all the things that we use on a daily basis. But could you imagine trying to survive without them? Uh, if you're looking for a charity that you might like to help this Christmas, you can't go far wrong, I think, with the Hygiene Hub. So Hygiene hub.ie. For many of us, the lead into Christmas is also the time when we think about our health insurance as premiums are starting to land through our letterboxes or in our email accounts. The man who's always a fountain of knowledge when it comes to items to do with health insurance is Dermot Good of totalhealthcare.ie and Dermot joining me this morning. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. Am I right in saying that the start of the year, the 1st of January, is one of the busiest times for health insurance renewals? Yes, it is. Unfortunately now for your listeners, so exactly about a million people, Patricia, over the next three months will be due to receive their renewal notices. In fact, probably about 500,000 people are going to receive their renewal notices this week. Um, And for pretty much all of those people, they need to brace themselves for quite significant price hikes. I mean, look, all the insurance companies, we got away lightly last year, uh, Patricia, but this year they've all gone up at least twice. Some plans have gone up three times. There's another increase just announced by Irish Life Health on the 1st of January. So that means for many families now, they're facing increases. In fact, everybody potentially double-digit increases, up to 15%. And that could cost a family anything from 150 to maybe an extra 550 euro if they renew on the same plan. And obviously, you know, I say that, Patricia, because really my message to all of your listeners now is that you, you have to shop around. You, 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 these increases are too substantial to take them on. And there are loads of brilliant deals out there. There's loads of new plans coming on stream all the time. So, you know, all those people maybe who are paying more than 1850 maybe they're on the same plan for three, four, five years, or they've never split their cover, or they're afraid to switch, or they're not on a corporate plan. They really need to shop around because if they do that now, Patricia, they can potentially avoid these increases completely and actually get better cover. But there is a lot of bad news coming the way of... Yeah, but I, I think some customers. people would be surprised to hear you say, you know, double-digit uh, increases because people over the year would be listening to, you know, when VHI or Leia or Irish Health, you know, will say, oh, on average, prices are going up by 4%. You know, nobody's saying, where's the double digits coming out of? 
and, and you're spot on. And there's there's two things that I suppose that consumers are being, I won't say it's not misled, but they are definitely confused on this. So number one, and they need to be very careful of those average figures. So you are quite right. I mean, insurance companies will come out with an average. So, for example, Leia's last increase, they said average, I think, 3%. Some plans went up 6%. And earlier in the year, some of the insurance companies had increases of an average of 5%. But actually, some plans went up 7 and have to ignore the average figure and look at the, the actual impact on your plan. But the second thing that a lot of people appear to have missed is this cumulative effect, Patricia, of two and three increases. So if I renewed last December, my policy probably went up again in March or April. Now, it won't have impacted me. And then it went up again in October. So now when my next renewal notice comes through this December, the cumulative effect of yeah. two increases on top of each other means that that's where we're getting the, the 15, double digits, 16. The double digits. And exactly. as you say, it's it's those who have stayed on the same plan for many years. They are the ones that can save the most. But the question that every time I have you on the programme comes in, uh, Dermot, are from people who are currently receiving treatment and wondering, yes. can they change provider? They absolutely can. Okay, so once again, the legislation is so protective. This is one of the things they actually got right with the health insurance acts when they brought them in in 1994. So what that means is that if, if I'm currently on a plan with an insurance company and I'm, I'm mid-treatment and my treatment is being fully covered and I find another plan with another insurance company that covers the same treatments uh, fully and it's much cheaper, well, all I have to do is, the, first of all, the other insurance company will give me full credit for my existing insurance. So they must take me on by law. There will be no break in my cover. And once I'm not increasing my cover to a higher plan, I will still be fully covered for those conditions. Um, and that is enshrined in the legislation. So, in other words, there are no penalties. You can't be, they can't impose new waiting periods. They can't impose extra charges because you're claiming. They can't penalize you for claiming. Um, and they can't refuse to insure you. So the legislation, Patricia, is so rigid in that respect. And all anybody in that situation, all they need to do is, Tell the new insurance company, tell them everything. Tell them what hospital you're going to, what, what treatment you're currently getting, the doctors you're attending. And now the new insurance company, because they want to make sure they give you full and accurate information, they will tell you exactly what the cover is. But people should not be afraid to, to shop around because the legislation protects them and there will be no break in their cover. Now, the other thing, Patricia, that people miss is that 50% of people that we advise to switch it's to a different plan with the same insurance company. Mm. So you don't necessarily have to change to another insurer. I mean, what I would say to your listeners right now, if they are on the following types of plans, like, for example, Leia Healthcare, if you're on Essential Plus or Health Manager or Flex 125, Flex 250, those types of schemes, if you're with VHI on the Health Plus Extra or the Advanced Care Extra or some of those plans, or if you're with Irish Life Health and you're on um, some of their business plans, or, for example, some of their, their um, optimum schemes, or some of those types of schemes, or some of the old even health plans, or the level two hospital schemes. Are they good cover? Yes. Are they good value? I would say there's a big question mark over that. Those people are paying huge premiums. And if anybody listening now recognizes those plan names as their plan, you really need to shop around because you could be overspending by anything from 500 to 1,000 euro per adult because there's a whole range of new plans that have been brought out. Some of them, by the way, some of them, Patricia, give you 
the same cover at a much lower premium. Mm. Okay, question for uh, Jeremy. Gary says, my wife's workplace pays for her health insurance, which is great. So Gary has his own separate uh, health insurance, which is VHI. He's on public plus care day-to-day policy. He's wondering, is that the best yeah. one to be on? Okay, so what I'd say to Gary is that at the for what the plan does, it's brilliant. It is an entry-level plan, costs about €530. Euro. It only covers public hospitals. So if Gary is happy with that level of cover, I'd say, Gary, stay exactly as you are. I would have concerns, though, about that level of cover, um, Patricia, simply because if you want to have good health insurance cover, and what I mean by that is if you want your health insurance to work for you, in other words, if you fall ill and you want to get into hospital very quickly with no waiting periods and you want to decide which hospital you want to go to, and when you go in and who you see and so on, you need to be covered for public and private hospitals. You need to be able to go to the Bonds in Cork or the Matter Private in Cork, as well as CUH and the Mercy and so on. That means you need to have a mid-level plan. And what I would say to Gary is, look, his plan for what it does is fine, but he really should check out the likes of, for example, VHI have a plan called Enhanced Care 350 Day-to-Day. Enhanced Care 350 Day-to-Day, it is €1,107. So it's double the premium. But now he'll be covered to go into the bonds semi-private or the matter private semi-private. And look, I don't know what age Gary is, but I always say to all, you know, all consumers, as you get older, you need to make sure your health insurance basically keeps up with your, I suppose, your, your, your changing age, simply because as you get older, things are going to happen and you want to make sure you've got good cover. So that's the only thing I'd say to Gary. But as, he st- as it stands right now, he's not overspending. That's still a good entry-level plan. OK, now this this type of a question always breaks my heart. It's from Sheila. Sheila says herself and her husband are with VHI and they have been for years. They've never, ever changed. So much so that Sheila is not even doesn't even know the name of the policy she's on. But Sheila says, we're slow to move in case anything happens to us and then we mightn't be covered. She's currently covered for the majority of scans in hospitals, both private and uh, public. And she's fearful that if she changed uh, would she lose out or would there be a better plan? Now she's exactly somebody that you're talking about that needs a bit of help. Absolutely and look you know what I would say to Sheila or anybody in that boat so first of all shopping around doesn't mean you have to switch and all Sheila has to do right now I would say first of all decide on what is your budget what can you afford and then you phone up VHI and you simply tell them look the current plan I think is too expensive here's my budget now I want you to find me the closest equivalent plan from all your plans that you have and that that's close to what I currently have that's cheaper. In other words, that fits my budget. And Sheila just sits back with a mug of coffee or whatever gets her through that <laughs> to listen to what they have to say. Okay. And if Sheila and her husband, basically, they should both be on the call so they can both basically listen and answer and, and ask any questions. And then if the insurance company suggests an alternative plan, to Sheila. Her next question is, great, that sounds interesting. Now tell me, how does that compare to, to what I'm on now? What am I losing? Exactly. And then once again, sit back. And the main thing is to stay on the phone. And the main thing as well, tell them everything. You know, the Irish psyche is tell the insurance companies nothing, but with <laughs> health insurance, tell them everything. Yeah. And then the next question, Patricia, right? You know, now the insurance companies are going to love Sheila for this, but the next question then is, Sheila should, should say to them at the end of that, if she likes the sound of this plan, the next question is, OK, you can see all my claims that I've had there in the past. If I was on this plan, would those claims have been paid to the same degree? That's in other a words, great w- question. Will I be any worse off? That's and a great question. And they have all the details there and they have to tell her. And then if Sheila likes that, she can make the change. All the calls are recorded. And to be fair to the insurance companies, they know when people have done their homework, 
They know they have to give full and proper information and they want to give people that information. But that's why you should always do it over the phone. If Sheila is not happy with the options they're suggesting, she just simply repeats the same procedure, the same process with the other two insurance companies. And the people who engage with them that way, they get the best deals. And Patricia, what I'd say to Sheila and any of your listeners now who are maybe not up for that, or maybe they're just too bamboozled by all the, the terminology and all the plans and the names, you know, get somebody you trust. Yeah. A family member, whatever, get them on the call with you and have them help you. Or there are loads of advisors throughout the country who specialize in this area. Pay them a fee because if the savings are going to be five or six or ten times the fee, it's money well spent. And let them do the heavy lifting and make yeah. sure they deal across all the insurance companies, not just one. Make sure they deal across them all. But that's excuse me, that's exactly the way Sheila should and, and and they And the fact that they herself and her husband have been on, it could be the old plan B that famously everybody was on. If, if she's still on that for years and years and years, she probably has been paying through the nose, so there, there could be a lot of savings to be made. Now, I don't know if you can help this uh, listener. Uh, could you ask Dermot, please? I had a cruciate ligament replaced in my right knee, and that was 20 years ago. Unfortunately, it's now a problem again. I only started my current insurance in September 2022 after a break of two years. Uh, would Dermot know if my current insurer will classify my current cruciate problem as a pre-existing condition and therefore not co- cover me for any operation? No, it's a very good ago. question. So here's exactly what will happen. Okay, so when somebody has a break in cover of more than 13 weeks, which this person has, they're classified as a brand new member all over again. So that means when they took out the cover back in 2022, any medical problems that they had at the time of affecting the new policy, there is a five-year exclusion, okay? Um, so any inpatient treatment, any surgeries, day case or otherwise, there will, there will be an exclusion for five years. However, Patricia, there's another little clause in the legislation that states if, even though you might have had surgery a number of years back, if you can prove medically, and they'll need their consultant to help them with this, but if you can prove medically that you were completely symptom-free, in the six months prior to, re- to rejoining. In other words, no pain, no discomfort, no medication, no symptoms, um, and you never attended a doctor or got a scan, then the insurance companies are allowed, based on you proving that, they are allowed basically to waive the five years. In other words, the five-year exclusion may not apply. So there may be some, there may be, let's just say, uh, there may, that person may actually be able to get that claim paid, but they will need to engage with the insurance company, disclose everything, and the insurance company will tell them what they need. Then the, the doctors will need to certify medically that everything I've said, that that's exactly what applies to them. So they may be able to get their claim paid. But if they know that the symptoms were there prior to rejoining and they did have discomfort, then no, the five-year exclusion will apply. Okay. So just be very careful with that. Okay. And one final one. Does everyone in the house have to be on the same plan that Betty wants to know? Not at all. See, here's another thing, right? You know, so... There's loads of tactics to reduce your costs. Um, Look, you know, two, I'd say shop around, number one. And then number two is obviously don't be afraid to switch. But then other things, split your cover. So if you have a family of two adults, you know, both adults do not have to have the same plan. You can both be on the one policy, but have completely different levels of cover. So you should be you should be challenging the insurance company to recommend the best plan for each person individually based on their requirements. And if you have like, for example, VHI great deals now, on the company plan plus level 1.3 for 18, 19 and 20 year olds. Leia Healthcare will be launching a deal on the 1st of January where you can ensure, pay for the eldest child under 18 and the other two kids, or sorry, if you had three kids, the other children under 18, you can get them insured for free on a plan like the Flex 125 Explore. 
I mean, even for example, and I'm throwing a few things at you here now, Patricia. Anybody, for example, Irish Life have launched a whole new range of plans called Health Guide One and Health Guide Two. Brilliant value for money. Um, Leia did not increase their Inspire Plus scheme on the 1st of October. That's still a brilliant value for money plan. So there's loads of good deals out there, but people, if they don't pick up the phone and engage, you know, they're going to miss them. And the other thing too, as well, I would say, Patricia, for people maybe now who no interest in private health insurance or they can't afford it um, at all, don't forget there's those cash plans from HSF health plan, brilliant plans. Now they don't they don't cover you in hospital, but they cover you all your out-of-pocket expenses. And you also have these brilliant dental plans from the likes of D-Care Dental, you know, very inexpensive. And they have pro- provide fantastic cover for, you know, all kinds of dental treatment. So people just need to realize there is hu- there's a huge raft of options there to suit everybody. But if they don't pick up the phone and don't ask the right questions, they might not necessarily get the best deals. OK, and they are really, I mean, we have heard from listeners who said you know, they were really good when they did engage uh, with them. I think people are just put off about call, you know, the idea of calling a call centre. But pe- they are really good when you engage with them. It's just asking they the are, right questions. So, so that's exactly it. And look, the key thing is block out half an hour. OK, have both of you on the phone if there's two of you on the policy. So you're, you don't want to be hanging up and trying to explain everything you've just gone through to your partner or spouse or whatever. So put everybody on the phone and literally invest the time in it. And especially if you're on those old plans, you will be surprised. People often say to me afterwards, number one, why didn't I do this 10 years ago? Yeah. Because I've been overpaying. But look, better late than never. And number two, like there are new deals coming out all the time. So the way I, I, I kind of describe this is the goalposts move a small bit every year. If you review your cover each year, just like you do car and home insurance, you will keep in line with those goalposts. So you will not be overspending. But the longer you leave the review, the further, I suppose, out of sync you are with those goalposts. And that just means, Patricia, you're overspending. So, you know, look, this is it's expensive enough. It's going to take a big jump in premium. I would say to all your listeners, start the process today. Okay, okay. Right. Don't Listen, leave it till late December. You are a mine of information as always, uh, Dermot. And I know every time we have you on, we inevitably, in the, the days afterwards, we'll get calls in from people to say that they were listening and they saved money or they saved money on behalf of their older parents, which I always love to hear when somebody takes the time to look after their parents. Listen, Dermot, thank you for that. Have a lovely day. My pleasure. And thanks you for too. joining thank us. You. That is the wonderful Dermot Good of totalhealthcare.ie and of course his website also available if you looking for help because it can just sound like a minefield when Dermot's going on about all the different, do they really need to have all of these different uh, plans? This week our Hours to Protect, which will be on this Friday, doing our bit for the environment and this week we'll be speaking to a local business group who are encouraging all of us, the general public to turn Black Friday into Green Friday. And how can we do that? By shopping locally. So we'll hear more about that on Hours to Protect this uh, Friday at 11.45 and just staying on environmental uh, issues. A couple of weeks ago on the programme we brought up about electronic goods and how electronic goods now are anything really with a plug in it. Once it breaks we simply throw it away and we go out and we buy a new one and it led to a whole discussion about how you know previous generations items were fixed and I was you know saying I certainly remember growing up whenever the television broke we had a TV repairman who lived in our neighbourhood and you went down and you knocked on, on, on his door. He was a gentleman. It's funny 
can't remember his name, Mr. DeLong. And you knocked on Mr. DeLong's door and you told him that the Messenger's TV wasn't working. And he'd come up and he'd take away the TV. And they were the days. I remember the big, huge TVs. The weight in them was unreal. And for a few days then you'd be without your TV while Mr. DeLong was sorting it out. And then he came back and my mother would pay him. And off we'd go and we'd watch TV again. Now an item breaks down and we don't even consider getting it repaired. It's like straight gone, boom, we'll buy a new one. So I read with great interest and this actually ties in with Hadir de Clune on the programme yesterday, our uh, MEP for the South, and she was talking about resi- that she's not going to go forward for the MEP for next year, but she was saying, you know, they're the EU is very important and they vote in uh, directives and laws that can you know, affect everybody and she was saying that even yesterday she was looking forward to going and voting on uh, various uh, directives. So this is obviously one of the ones that Deirdre was talking about yesterday and it covers appliances be they electronic or other consumer groups. So they're all now set to get a longer lifespan and it's under new right to repair regulations. That's what they're calling them. The move is part of an effort to stop manufacturers deliberately making items that break or wear out easily and then they are simply too difficult to uh, fix. And of course, the thought pattern behind that is the manufacturers do it so that we, the consumers, being a really bit like mugs, we go out and we buy more replacements instead. So the European Commission have conducted research and they found that the public loses out almost 12 billion euro a year in buying replacements for goods that actually could be repaired. The needless use of materials and energy and the knock-on effects in terms of carbon emissions and waste volumes is also immense as well, outside of the monetary value of what it costs all of us. So the MEPs yesterday voted by, it seems, an overwhelming majority to bring in regulations which will now oblige manufacturers to repair their products, to do so within a reasonable period of time and they also are being called on to promote the service to customers. The Directive on Common Rules promoting the repair of goods will apply immediately to large appliances, things like your cookers, your washing machines, your fridges, your dishwashers. But the plan is that it will also extend to things like smartphones and other smaller uh, items and it will cover, it'll even go on to cover products such as bicycles, even though I assume people don't throw away a bicycle breaks down. I'm assuming they take them to the bicycle repair shop. It will apply both within and beyond any statutory protection period. So even when your guarantee has uh, run out, the repair option will also have to be made available to you. And obviously the Greens, the MEP Green from the Green Party thrilled about this. I saw Kieran Cuff welcoming the strong vote in relation to the directive and he says the law is simply about ending this throwaway culture that we're all living in and moving back into the circular economy. He says poor quality goods that break easily and cannot be repaired. They've been flooding into the market in recent years and he said it simply isn't good enough. So the final details of the directive, they've still to be agreed by the European Parliament but it is expected it'll be completed within the first half of next year so they're going to get moving on this fairly quickly and the fact that it got such unanimous support yesterday Everybody is agreeing with it. It just makes total sense. 0818 103 103. Some of your calls and comments coming in to do with Formoy that we spoke about with Councillor Deirdre O'Brien earlier. And this is the news that approximately it's over 50. I think 57 is the number that's been mentioned. International protection applicants are to move into Abbeville House, which is an old historic building in the centre of uh, the town. And it's not that people in Formoy are saying to us that they're racist 
but they're just worried that the services are not there to back up a large number like that all moving in uh, overnight. Uh, Lisa is in for Moy. She's the mother of two young girls and she's worried about the fact that these international protection applicants will all be male and that they're coming in from foreign uh, countries and she says basically they're going to squeeze them all into this house because Deirdre told me that it's 12 bedrooms but yet they're managing to get 57. I use the term squeezing them in like a tin of sardines. So Lisa is fearful of that. She said to have a lot of men all living in one uh, building there day and night. She said it's not healthy for them either and she would just, she's worried for her two young daughters. Jane in Bandon says she's aware of people who you People used to regularly go out and walk in her own hometown and indeed other towns uh, in the evening time uh, who are no, no, now no longer walking. People are afraid to walk at, at night. Some of that has to do with newcomers coming into an area. Uh, many people now are doing their shopping and they simply go home and people have given up, particularly females have given up going for walks unless they're with a group of people. Mike is in Yall. He said the government are pushing people too far at this stage and bringing more and more people into our towns, villages and cities particularly into areas where the services are not there. The ordinary townspeople can't get an adequate service and yet they're adding more people into the pool. Irish people do not cause trouble but they will vote in the ballot boxes and Mike feels there will be a huge change in the political landscape. And actually when I was chatting with Councillor Deirdre O'Brien who's with the Fianna Fáil party she said she raised the issue of what's going on in Formoy and particularly this proposal for Abbeville House at last week's Fianna Fáil or Desh and she, actually, she said she said that to anyone who had listened to her higher up within Fianna Fáil that they're going to hear it on the doorsteps and remember next year we have we've mentioned European elections but we also have local elections and then it could be the back end of next year or early into the following years there will be a general election so she's already saying you know people will hear it on the doorstep and that's been uh, backed up by uh, Mike who's in y'all thank you for that uh, Mike now on different topics Joe in Kilmallock has been on to us uh, when we're talking about we have a housing crisis and uh, we had yesterday only threshold on talking about the, how they're trying to help people to stay in the homes, the private rented uh, accommodation. But Joe said what annoys him is he's hearing about this housing crisis. Yet he says in the estate where he lives in Kilmallock, there's five vacant houses. He says two of them have been on sale and simply cannot be sold. And the other three are also vacant. I don't know if they're all up for sale or not. He says there are houses for sale, but he feels people don't want to live in certain uh, areas. And could that be the issue? And it could be people can't get the mortgages uh, together either, Joe, I know first time buyers uh, are doing really well with buying houses but people need to buy in houses close to where they're living and working or want to live and work as well it could just be that you don't have a lot of people wanting to buy in your uh, area but uh, I mean certainly most houses when they go up for sale they're being snapped up really really quickly we've been talking about different scams and always trying to alert people on scams Margaret in Tallow was on to us just to give a word of advice uh, to somebody she was selling an item that was a very expensive item she it was about 70 uh, euro and she had it up on a website called adverts.ie now I'm not aware of this but it's one of these buy and sell uh, websites so she said she's used it before it's a very reputable uh, website anyway she popped the ad up and then this guy contacted her wanting to buy uh, the item and suggested he would drive to the house to collect the item and to give Margaret the money all sounding good but Margaret 
did a bit of research and she said before she gave her address to this man, she checked his ratings on the website. And she said she noticed there was two negatives, two negative reviews. So she said when she interacted with him again, she said, look, can I have your telephone number? Because obviously she was doing it all on over the internet. So she looked for his telephone number and when she got the telephone number, she realised it wasn't an Irish number and this was somebody who was willing to get into the car and drive to see her. So she started to get suspicious saying this is somebody overseas, this is somebody trying to scam uh, me. And also another telltale sign, he only wanted to interact on WhatsApp, which is another huge telltale sign when it comes to uh, scams. Anyway, she got onto the Gardaí and uh, they told her straight away, stop interacting uh, with them. And then she said later that afternoon, adverts.ie, the website where she'd put up her item, contacted uh, Margaret to say, yes, that person is a scammer. Do not interact uh, with them and to ignore. So Margaret said, she decided to give us a ring just to warn people to be careful, even on some of the very genuine websites. There can be scam artists on that as well. So please be careful. 0818-103-103. And Larry in Canturk was on. He is a wheelchair user and he's a GAA fan. So off he went to a match in Porkyblin. He was told as a wheelchair user, he needed to use the red door. And obviously that's the wheelchair accessible door. So he did. He said there was a lady standing there waiting for him, swiped his ticket and in he went now, it wasn't a happy day for Larry in that the results didn't go the way he wanted. Uh, the team that he was backing lost. Anyway, he was enjoying his day out. But as he was leaving before he was heading back to go to his car to go back to Cantork, decided I need, needed to use the loo. So he asked somebody, he said, sorry, where are the uh, wheelchair accessible uh, toilets? To be told, they don't have wheelchair accessible toilet in Pork Erin. Now Larry finds that really unusual. It is a big main GAA stadium uh, stadium, and yet no no, uh, wheelchair accessible uh, toilet. She said most he says most GAA grounds and he's obviously a fan of GAA and going to GAA matches so he travels around. He said most will have a wheelchair toilet but not Pork Erin which really surprises me as well and the fact that they have wheelchair accessible entry for you and place for you to go when you're in there. I I take it there's a separate section. So they are already dealing with people who are going to arrive in wheelchairs. You would assume that therefore the knock-on effect is of course they would have a toilet. Anyway, we're on to the GAA board just to get clarification on this and to find out why a stadium the size of Porky Rain does not have wheelchair accessible toilets. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. It is Wednesday, please. So I need your gardening questions for uh, Peter Dowdle. If you have a gardening question, you can either get into John Paul or text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. The launch of the Bandon Historical uh, Journal. They're up to journal number four. Well done to the Bandon Historical uh, Society. It's taking place in the library this afternoon at half past three. All are welcome. And the lovely Marty Morrissey will be launching a book of photographs entitled Donna Rail Memories. It's in Springford Hall tomorrow, Thursday at half past seven. The uh, book opens with photographs of Donna Rail, people and places from the 19th century, but it goes right up to the present today. It includes people from all walks of life from the town and the countryside. The book after the launch tomorrow will be available to buy either at the launch if you're intending or you can get it in the local post office and shops in Donorail. 
Kildallery Community Development, their weekly lottery draw. That's tomorrow, Thursday, 4 o'clock, with a jackpot of €11,300. And the Sunshine Memory Cafe, that will take place in St. Michael's Centre, South Main Street in Bandon, tomorrow afternoon, Thursday, between 3 and 5. The Sunshine Cafe provides a safe, relaxed and friendly place to enjoy a chat, tea and a cake, and also to enjoy some light-hearted activities. And the Parents' Association of Ballygown National School, they're hosting a table quiz in Hannah's Bar in Scanakilla on Friday night. They're starting at 8 and all are very welcome. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at C103.ie. Can you talk to me? Cork today on C103. And don't forget, keep your questions coming in for Peter, please. John Paul's taking the call, 0818103103. Now, in the lead up to Christmas, we're always encouraging people to try to be as generous as possible when it comes to charities because a lot of fundraisers go on in the run up to uh, Christmas. And one that we're really supporting here at C103 are the wonderful guys and gals of the Cork Simon community and of course they continue to help and support uh, everyone uh, who are faced with homelessness but particularly children. There's something really sad about the idea of children being homeless at uh, Christmas and they're asking people uh, to host a Christmas dump jumper day uh, just to um, ensure that help will always be at hand for those that need it the most. You can go to corksimon.ie sign up for your Christmas uh, jumper day anytime, anywhere, anyhow. We're having our Christmas jumper day here on C103 on Friday and we're all very much looking forward to it. If you can help Cork Simon uh, please uh, do. And we're continuing to give shout outs for calendars that people are very kindly uh, sending in so that we can mention calendars that are on sale. They must be, uh, proceeds must go to a local charity or to a voluntary group or a voluntary organisation or a national charity. It doesn't have to be a local charity. Uh, but I, I've been talking earlier in the week about the Dogs for the Disabled. Absolutely love their calendar every year and Eleanor Deneen from the Dogs for the Disabled. I think she was first in with the calendars uh, this year and their calendars are on sale you can go to their website dogsfordisabled.ie and for €12 Euro, they'll post out the calendar to you but William O'Callaghan from Donnerail uh, popped into the studio yesterday to say that William has the Dogs for the Disabled or the Assisted Dogs um, are they dogs? Dogs for the disabled. He has the calendars uh, for sale for ten euro in Donnerell. He also has Christmas cards on sale for five uh, euro. If you if you just want to buy your calendar directly from w- William, and he's also hosting a raffle on the fifteenth. Tickets are on sale in Donnerell Post Office, the Ugly Duckling, and the Donnerell Pharmacy, and he's doing that raffle in aid of dogs for the disabled. Anybody else who has a calendar that you would like us to include in our calendar shout outs, get them into us, please, as quick as possible, because. This is the time of year when people are buying their calendars for next year. So Patricia Messenger, C103, not Goulds, well, you could use Goulds Hill, but Majestic Business Park in Mallow. Listen, you can put C103 Mallow on it. We've got fantastic postmen and women. They always uh, find us. Now, some of your thoughts coming. Oh, by the way, uh, Bernice was on from the city, uh, is looking for a contact number for Dermot Good of TotalHealthcare.ie because she's having a, a, a problem with her health insurance and she's looking for advice. And she unfortunately doesn't have the internet. Now, I've checked and TotalHealthcare.ie, the only way you can make contact with 
with them is over the internet. What I'd suggest, Bernice, could you go into, if you're in the city, could you go into the library? The library has internet access and uh, you could, you know, send a message to uh, Dermot Good through his website, totalhealthcare.ie and explain your predicament because they do ask you for your phone number and put your phone number on it, but there's no contact number that I can give you. So you're going to have to go online in order to make contact with them. And then uh, Burr, also listening to us in the city, says, Patricia, this is when we were talking about the charity shops earlier on and Burr works uh, is a volunteer with the Irish Cancer Society I'm sure yes the Irish Cancer Society Uh, Burr says just to let people know we do take CDs tapes and videos at the Irish Cancer Society and I didn't know this but Burr says we also take electrical items which are checked that they're working and then once they're checked and they're working they can sell them I didn't know that I thought all charity shops took nothing with a plug so thank you for filling us in on uh, that somebody said Patricia I missed your programme yesterday did you manage how did you get on with the plumber and you're blocked Sink. (laughs) You're very kind to think of me. My blocked sink uh, got unblocked uh, thanks to my gorgeous uh, plumber who arrived on um, Monday and got it sorted out to get two new waste pipes put in. But listen, the problem is sorted because there is nothing worse than trying to deal without a kitchen sink and anything to do with water and wastewater. It's horrendous. So I'm all sorted. So thank you. I thank you very much uh, for thinking of us. Uh, 0818103103. Okay, what also has come into us on... I got through all of those. I did. Is that me? Oh, this is one. When we were talking about refugees and we were talking about international protection applicants in particular we were talking about Formoy because there's a plan for 57 of them to move into an old uh, B&B but we were also talking about Ukrainian refugees and how many of them, it's close now on 100,000 have uh, fled uh, many of them have no homes uh, to go back to, many of them are fleeing for their, for, their, for their lives but there's many of them now living here in this country and we have a housing crisis and we have a housing crisis with housing our own but we also have a crisis with housing either Ukrainian refugees refugees who arrive are the international protection. Somebody's come up with a kind of a, a, a suggestion that I wonder has this been even looked at? And the person's making the point, this is by WhatsApp, maybe it's time for kind of a long-term plan with regards to what is happening in Ukraine because by God it doesn't look like this war is going to end anytime soon. There was always the hope that uh, Russians and Putin would stop but like it's gone on now or what are we would be heading into our third year uh, soon enough. So it doesn't look like it's going to end uh, anytime soon. So this listener is suggesting, would it not be more practical if all of the refugees, and of course the Ukrainian refugees are not just in this country, they've relocated uh, all over the EU. I know for example Poland has something like 400,000 Ukrainian refugees. Would it not be worth looking at a plan to bring them back and allow them to go back into Ukraine. If you look at Ukraine on the map, it is nine times larger, for example, than Ireland. And most of the fighting is on the eastern border. So that makes the majority of the country fairly safe. They obviously don't now have a huge tourist trade. So there'll be hundreds upon thousands of hospitality facilities available to accommodate all the refugees because people aren't going to Ukraine on holidays. The EU and all of the countries that have been supporting the refugees so far could continue to offer that financial support but you would offer that financial support in their own environment and continue to support them until the war has ended and by doing that you would free up vital amenities like accommodation and other services uh, that are, are for the health of our Irish citizens and I wonder has that been looked at? 
because it does, there, there are parts of Ukraine which are very safe, obviously, because people with, even within Ukraine, people relocate it if they had family members in their own country. They haven't left, they're, they're staying with uh, fam, family members. I know the economy, obviously, of the country has suffered. So yes, that would be, could that be a possible solution that the countries who are helping the Ukrainian refugees, you would just help them in their own country instead? I think it's sort of worthy, probably worthy of a mention and worthy of looking at it again for sure. Uh, oh, I, I look, I, and I don't know. My, my honest answer is I don't know if I've ever seen, if I've, if that proposal has been on the table or not, but it would have to be a proposal that would be on the table across the all of the EU uh, countries. But thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And the fact John Paul has put this up in bold red, maybe I read it out wrong. Uh, Dermot Good, Total Health Cover. .ie. Sorry, I said care. It's totalhealthcover.ie. I gave out the wrong address. Thank you for that. That's the email address for people who would like to contact Dermot Good, who spoke with us on the programme, totalhealthcover.ie. Uh, OK, and just one very quick one that I know I mentioned earlier and I said I, I would quickly just take a look at it because somebody is saying, is it true that our taxes are going back up again? Well, it isn't taxes that are going up. But yes, if you are uh, at work, you will be paying more workers and employers. There's to be five consecutive PSR PRSI increases and they're not all coming together, they're coming in over the coming years. Uh, the government have signed off on the increases to PRSI every year between next year 2024 and up to and including 2028. On average, employees will pay an extra about €46 Euro a year from next October. Uh, ministers have signed off to the tax changes which will begin with two 0.1% hikes. One will be next October and then there will be another one in 2025. Then there will be an increase of 0.15%. That would be in 2026 and 2027. And then the final increase will be 0.2% and that will increase in 2028. And now the changes are going to bring in billions of euro over the next number of years. And it's understood that that first increase, which will be October of next year, will work out at about 90 cent a week for the average worker. So just over 46 euro a, a year. And then it will be that again the next year, the next year and uh, the next year. They are saying that the overall increase is expected to raise 240 million and that's in a full uh, year. The changes, by the way, also apply to people who are self-employed. It isn't just the PAYE uh, workers. Now, it did get flagged in last month's budget and the reason for it is it's to ensure that the pension age remains at 66. Remember, they talk about, they spoke about increasing that too, that people couldn't get their state pension until they were 67 or 68. There was a big pushback against that, but they need the money to fund that. So it's to, so that people will be able to still get their pension at 66. And it's also something we've mentioned on the programme this week, the rollout of pay-related benefits for people who are working and then suddenly lose their job. Heather Humphreys, Social Protection Minister, says it's a fairer system. That means if somebody is suddenly made unemployed, they will receive enhanced payments on a tapered basis. She says we're the outliers in Europe in terms of our job seeker support because we just have one flat rate payment for everyone, for somebody who may have never worked or for somebody who might have been working 30 years and suddenly finds them, find themselves unemployed. So they're going to taper it off. You could start, for example, on a maximum payment of 
of €450. Euro. That would last for three months. For the next three months, they'd go down to 375 And then for the next three months, they go down to 300 And it would be nine months before they'd be on the flat rate of 220 which will be 232 from uh, January. But all of that has to be funded. How are they funding it? They're funding it by putting up your PRSI and those those in hikes in start to come in from October of next year. Not everybody happy with it, I have to say. 0818 103 103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp. We are looking for your gardening questions, please, for Peter Dowdle. He's going to be joining us next. If you have a gardening question, 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Peter Daddle, theirishgardener.com, uh, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Trish. How are you? I'm very well, and you're very welcome. Okay, let's get straight in with uh, questions. This is from Michael in Bala Nua in Bantry. Uh, Mike says, good morning, Peter. Would it be better for the plants if I wait to plant a herbaceous border until the end of March, beginning of April? Am I better off holding off? No, not necessarily. And in fact, traditionally, the time to do all the planting was was during the autumn months, autumn and winter. For a couple of reasons, Trish, uh, the, the soil temperature is still relatively warm, so it gives the, the plants a, a chance to, to establish a bit before they settle down for the winter. But also it means they're in the ground then come the spring. So when new growth starts, they're already establishing in, in the soil. So, um, no, I wouldn't think it's necessarily beneficial to wait the only th- the only thing is two things number one you might be- have a better range of plants available in garden centers and things in the spring than you would now uh, and the other thing is uh, the the two times of the year that we should never plant in ireland we can kind of plant 12 months of the year in ireland except for if the ground is physically frozen or if the ground is waterlogged and obviously a lot of gardens are completely uh, sodden and waterlogged at the moment so if that's the case i would hold off till it dries out um if your ground isn't waterlogged, then I, I would have no problem planting away now. OK, a listener says, do you have to prune hydrangeas every year? Is it necessary to do it every year? It's probably beneficial to do it every year, Trish. Not necessary. I mean, it's not never necessary to do it, really. The plant is going to grow away and flower away, even if you never touch them. But it probably is beneficial in that you'll get, you'll keep the kind of the size of the plant in check by pruning it, but also you'll get better quality growth and better, more, more, I suppose most importantly better quality blooms bigger blooms if you prune it a bit uh, but no it's not. It's absolutely not necessary what I would say is necessary because, because just because I, for aesthetics it is, it's necessary to prune off the dead heads I would say uh, but that's just for aesthetics in fact the, the, the new flowers will still come even if you don't do that Okay Sean in Clannacilty has noticed when he's digging out his potatoes from the earth this year they hold for a few days and then if they're not used they split um, they are under are, are, are no use because they fade away um, they also they darken in colour he's wondering is it just this year he's never noticed it before or what could be the reason for it? I, I don't I could give and I'd be very confident in giving the reason I'm not 100% sure as to what it actually is but I would say without question the reason is the amount of water we've had during this summer and an awful lot of um of farmers in general and but potato farmers as well uh have you know 
leaving leaving crops in the ground. They just can't get them out um, because we've this, the, the fields are so waterlogged. So I would imagine, I'm not sure exactly what the name for that disorder is, but I would say it's more than likely uh, caused by the excessive rainfall this summer. Mm, and hopefully it won't happen uh, next year. Hannah is in Roscarbury. She has sickleman plants. She said she usually sets them in the autumn. Now she has some set, but she has more that she wants to set. And she's now starting to panic and saying, is it too late? Um, and if she sets them now, will they last until spring? Okay, so it depends. It depends on exactly on which sickleman she's using. When she says plants, uh, you see where I'm going with this, Trish, is you, you can get cyclamen in, in pots, which are like bedding plants, winter bedding, if you like, which are kind of synonymous for the ne- with, with Christmas and with December, you know, the red and white cyclamens. Um, and they come in pot form and they're, they're cyclamen persicum which are actually native to some of the rainforest areas. So they're, they're not really a perennial here in Ireland, even though they do grow off a little corn. But they're, they're, we get, again, we get too much rain here for them. Um, so if they're the ones you're talking about, planting them now, how long they'll survive for you, it's a bit, how long is a piece of string? Some years you might get to January, February in flower, other, other years, no. However, so planting them now, I don't think you really get those still flowering in the spring. You might have a few blooms on them. However, then there are other types of cyclamen, such as cyclamen coom and heterofolium and neapolitan and big long names. But these are the lovely cyclamen trish that you'd see uh, in kind of under, you'd, you'd have seen them in older gardens and under trees and things like that. So depending on which one it is, that will determine the answer. But it's not too late to plant either of them. Okay, uh, Lorraine bought a Ponsettia, the Christmas Ponsettia. She bought it for her granny's grave because she said her granny always loved Ponsettia and it's a kind of a plant that she associates with her late grandmother. But she said she put it down about two weeks ago and it isn't doing too well. That That isn't an outdoor plant, is it? No, did she say she put it? When she, she put said it she put it, it down, grave. did she put it outside? No, she put it on the grave. On the grave. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I missed that bit. Um, no, it's not an outdoor plant and it, it won't survive at all, not for any length of time outside. So I'm afraid, uh, it, no, no magic wand for that. Bad news answer to that. It, it's, it's, it's finished, I'm afraid. Look at maybe instead for the grave if, for Christmas and for the winter, maybe look at something like a nice uh, pot of flowering heather or something like that, which would be very tough and resilient uh, and will flower away nicely. So maybe something like that or maybe a buried plant like a nice skimmia or something like that. But unfortunately, the Ponsettia is no, even indoors, as you know, I find them problematic. Yeah, and you've got to be very careful when you buy them, where you buy them and getting them home as quickly as possible. Correct. Don't and don't let them get. Don't let any draft get at them at all. So, unfortunately, in this instance, it's it's drafts and everything. Yeah. 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 Okay. Jim in Clonakilty has an ash sap, sapling growing in his tree, growing in his garden. Now he didn't plant it. It must have grown from a seedling. It's about four feet high now, uh, but he wants to move it because it's obviously not in a suitable spot in the garden. So, could you talk to him about transplanting it? Is it possible to transplant it? And what will he need to do? And when? absolutely possible to transplant it uh it's not difficult it's a bit of a bit of donkey work all right like a bit of digging but if he said it's four foot yeah so it's not it's not that big it's not that mature at all it's probably a few years in there but uh, just a a good spade or even a good shovel lift it out of the ground get as much of the root as you can with it Uh, don't leave it out of the ground for any length of time um and plant it into its new home or into a big pot if you don't have a new home for it yet uh, immediately like don't don't leave it out for any length of time and the, the most important thing will be come next spring when it comes back into growth. You see, it's dormant now, Trish, for the next few months. So, you know, any root damage that you do cause, that he does cause when he's lifting it, will have a chance to repair before next spring. Um, 
but next spring onwards uh, for the for the first few months of next year you will have to pay close attention to watering it but um, but that's really it it should transplant very very successfully and very easily Okay, you got a free tree in your garden there. Okay, and John Joe has a large lemon tree. It produces lots of new lemons, but one by one they're falling off. He says the tree looks healthy. He can't understand what's wrong. I'm guessing so that they're they're obviously falling off before they ripen. Um, so I would say it's one of two things, and neither of which I could say for certain unless I was there next to him. Um, uh, but it's either that it's too cold. Okay, uh, and they're falling off. So if it, if it's not a warm conservator, if it's outside, in fact, then I don't think it is outside because it probably wouldn't even produce the fruit in the first instance. But if it is outside, it's too cold. If it's inside and if it's not in a warm enough conservatory or warm enough glasshouse or tunnel, then that's that's probably the reason. The other reason would be that now citrus don't like to be overly watered, but when it's in fruit, they do need a certain amount of water. Uh, if they dry out too much, then that will manifest itself in in dropping of the fruit early like that. So it's one of those two reasons. Whichever one sounds more likely to them is the one that is is most probable. Okay. All right, listen, we leave it there. Have a lovely week and we'll chat to you again next Thank week. You. Thanks a million. That's uh, Peter Dowdle at theirishgardener.com. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards, who's beautiful. He joins you for the afternoon and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until I'm Patricia Messenger, very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.